Yeah, we were talking today to Alena Huperova. She is a coach, mentor, um, motivational speaker. She runs a program called She Leads, which focuses on, on women in uh, management and, and yeah, or entrepreneurs, um, and to inspire them to, to kind of draw out their qualities and uh, find th- those kind of dormant inner strengths. Um, she works internationally, alenahuperova.com. I will have a link to that in the description. Uh, we discussed a lot of different stuff, you know, kind of what, why is this specific need for females? How is the, the role of, of women changed in the society and how are they dealing with that pressure that comes with it? Um, what, what should we expect from the governments? What do we think about quotas in companies to put women on the board of directors, etc.? And, uh, and you know, um, yeah, how, how is the social pressure on a woman? Can you be both, you know, a good mother and a, and a career? I mean, all these topics that are very, very real and, uh, and women are dealing with, and Alena is helping them. And she wouldn't be there unless she had had that kind of journey herself. So she told me about that and her kind of childhood and traumas and, and, and the stuff that kind of she took with her into her adult life and that eventually she crashed on. Um, yeah, and, and then yeah, we, we kind of went into some other things she told me about when she went on a silent retreat for a month. She actually did it twice, no words for a month, twice. And, uh, and how, yeah, how things are right now in the world and, and, and what, what kind of narrative we are chasing on an everyday basis and, and, and so on. So that w- it was a very pleasant talk. Uh, Elena is, uh, has, has opinions and, and ideas and, and, and a way of thinking that I think is very interesting for people to hear. A little bit about the sponsor, that's the Old Bar, Old Bar Prague on Cypher Tower 21 in Shishkov. Uh, that's open from 8 to 3 o'clock on Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. And then on the weekends on Saturdays and Sundays from 8.30 to 1.30. It's closed on Tuesdays. But you can also order online. And yeah, check them out on social media. That's the Old Bar Prague. Um, best to check their Instagram or Facebook. The Instagram is great, actually. Amazing photos. And yeah, oatmeals and skiers with amazing in-house made toppings, great coffee, great stuff, great atmosphere. And when I'm there, the music is amazing. Welcome, Alena Huberova. Well, thank you for having me here. How are you? I'm good. Yeah? The sun is shining. I'm yeah. always good when the sun is shining. Yes. We're, uh, it's early morning here. I'm really happy about it because it's been so warm lately. Mm. And this room gets like a microwave in the afternoon. Oh my God! Does it get even worse? Yes, much worse. <laughs> but you did you 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 were in the uh, in the gym, or you were doing some activity in the morning already? No, I didn't manage to go to the gym. You know, we, we scheduled this far too early. No, I did a bit of yoga. I did a bit of meditation to just get myself in the right mode. And what do you do? I mean, do you do that often? Like? Oh yes! Oh yes! Um, I've been a meditator for a long, long, long time. So meditation is part of my daily routine and uh, exercises as well. So I either do yoga at home or I go to the gym. Yeah, I just I just love having enough time for myself in the morning mm. to before jumping into my work duties. You know, it just puts me in the right mode, in mm. the right frame of mind. I like that. And when do you wake up then? I typically wake up uh, between, yeah, around six. Uh-huh. Yeah, sometimes even earlier. Mm. Mm. And and what what's the right mode? You know, like, but like, does it calm you or energize you or? Yeah, both. 
-huh. both. I, I just want to feel grounded. Mm. It really depends on what I do during the day. Yeah. Mm. Um, sometimes I do very deep focused work. And so I want to feel grounded mm -hmm. and I want to have the ability to sit in front of my PC and really focus mm. Um, you know, when I do a lot of research, when I when I try to think, try to think, try to think <laughs> creatively. Yeah, can you see I that almost says I'm failing. No, but so it, it really depends. Um, so the meditation definitely calms me down, um, and the exercise it puts me in a just positive, fresh, renewed frame of mind, mm -hmm. and I like that. And this is a habit you've had for a long time, or yes, yeah, yes. I've been, I've been meditating for the past, let's say, twelve years. But at the beginning, it was kind of on and off. But the past three years, meditation is really a part of my daily routine. I meditate in the morning and at night. Mm -hmm. We're going to sleep. I love it because I, 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 I often thought about this meditation because. Be a lot of people have told me that I'm very kind of neurotic, you know, that I'm always, and I'm, I am, I'm always doing something, you know, and, and I always have some project or that I have something in my mind, oh, I need to check this or I need to do that. And it's somehow just who, who I, I think I've always been. And then, I don't know, at some point, some years ago, I started looking into meditation and my, my biggest fear was that I would, that I would stop being me somehow, that I would lose, <laughs> I would lose something, you know, that I, oh, okay, so will I, wake up in some zen mode then i won't get anything done you know <laughs> but wh wh why why would you stop being you i don't know i think I mean, on the contrary yeah but that's the i think that's about can you fix the microphone a little bit lower just yeah pull it down a little bit but that's yeah so like i think that, that yeah or a little bit it can be a little bit lower even but i think yeah i think with meditation that that for me it's it's um i don't know the 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 perception from the outside is that everyone is super calm and they're so super harmonious and I'm not I'm not sure I want to be like that. I, wa <laughs> I want to be chaotic. I want to be wild, you know. I told you before we started recording. I just wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> and they're not doing some meditation. They're doing medication. You know what? That is not true. Mm. Um I think I I I told you before we started. Uh, I went to the concert of Imagine Dragons and I love them so much. And I was just uh, hearing an interview with the lead singer. Mm. And of course, they do a lot of rock, mm. right? You know their music, no? I mean, okay, I it's checked not them heavy. out because I knew that they were here, yeah. Yes. It's not super heavy, but yeah. It's I, not heavy rock. But they, they, they're playing for 70,000 people for some reason. They've yes. They've done something right. Absolutely, absolutely. And these guys do do stuff like that. Yeah. I remember yeah. I went to... I was... Um, was backstage with Iron Maiden, the band Iron Maiden, I don't know, like 15 years ago or something, because I knew the singer of the band. Yes. And I was like, you know, I started drinking at home and I was like ready, okay, I'm going to go and party with these rock stars, you know, they've been my idol since I was like 10 or 12 or something. And, and then I came and they were just doing breathing exercises mm -hmm. and drinking green tea like somebody. And... Uh, <laughs> And super calm, and I was like, "What the fuck, you know? Be guys, be rock stars." And I was <laughs> trying to tell them, "Let's go, let's go and party." And they're no, we're we're hurrying home because, you know, we we we. I just bought a new car, and I'm super excited to try it. And I, it was such a, you know, a disappointment for me because you know, of course, I had always thought about like if I was in a band, I could just party all the time. And these guys, yeah, I guess they were just over it. And you can't do this. 
I mean, you wouldn't be able to do your job if you would go and drink every night and use drugs, right? Oh God, no, no, no way. And that brings me to the what's your what 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 are you? What are what is me? Hmm, that's interesting. Mm. I could answer that many many different ways, <laughs> but I guess you're pointing to the professional, right? Yeah, we, do you we'll, do, we'll do the personal uh, later. <laughs> we do the personal, right? Right, so um, when pe- people ask me what I do, I say that I am a bit of a hybrid mm. <laughs> in between a coach, mentor, and guide for women in management. Mm-hmm. So I have this program for um, female executives. Mm. It's a holistic leadership program Helping women to hmm, discover who they are, to tap into their or identify their inner strength mm. and develop their leadership potential so that they can be absolutely awesome managers for the mm. people around them. Yes. So that is what I do. And why, why female only? Why women only? Well... Uh, It has to do um, with my personal history as well, which which I guess we will get to. But, mm, but I me. had the I had the feeling that when I started doing this, I've been doing it since 2018. Um, I had I went through a, a, a certain experience myself, and it brought me to a huge crisis. And through that crisis, when I looked around and I looked around at my friends, at my colleagues, who were all highly positioned women in the society. I mean, well, in companies, let's say they were mm-hmm. VPs, presidents, founders of companies. And I, and I thought, oh, oh um, we need help in certain aspects so i kind of at that moment i realized that we women need um help with developing ourselves so that we can be successful not only at the workplace but also as human beings Mm. as women um as people who have lives beyond work Mm. yeah and and of course then um there Uh, in many companies, w- women still struggle to get the recognition which mm. they want. Mm. Um, and uh, I wanted to help with that. What did you need help with? I mean, what, what, what? You hit some wall or something, or, or, or you know, were you a career woman then yourself before? You know what I mean? Were you one of those women that you were describing now? Um, yes, now, yeah, now I, I don't know whether you want me to go to the history of why I started doing this. You go wherever you feel you need to take <laughs> me. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm tacking along here. Right. Um, well, when I, before I started my program for, uh, well, I have a corporate background, mm. okay? So I've worked in uh, many different work environments, mostly on the international scenes. I, I lived in five different countries, in Europe and in Asia. And my last corporate job was in this huge multinational, and I was working in 
um, sales, marketing, communication, and uh, you know it was a job of some responsibility. And uh, it was about twelve years ago that I quit the job, and um, you know there's been some things that led to it, but then I started my own business. Mm. And I did many different things, many different activities. I'm a very passionate person, so I always had passion projects. I remember my first project was I, I'm all into well-being and you know natural health. And because I had my corporate background in marketing and communication, and I thought, well, hang on, there are so many professionals out there mm. who do amazing things for people. Um, but don't, communi don't communicate Yeah, properly. but they don't know, yeah. exactly. They uh. don't know how to sell it, sell mm. themselves, how mm. to sell what they do, how to sell the value that they can provide to the people. And I thought, well, I know how to do that. I can help them. Mm. So my first business project was I established, without knowing anything about it, honestly, I established a health portal. And it was like a window for these professionals to promote themselves. Mm -hmm. So I had... Shiatsu, natural path, um, um, Chinese medicine doctors, physiotherapists. I mean, I had all these kind of professions that promoted themselves through my portal. Bunch yeah. of shamans. Sorry? Bunch of Sh shamans. Shamans, uh, not, <laughs> not a, I don't remember having any shaman. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yes, I wanted to utilize what I knew from the corporate world mm. And I wanted to share it with people who didn't know how to do that. Mm. So that led me to that. That led me to many, many other things through which I, I was really working on my own ability to influence others, to communicate my message to others. Um, I was in multi-level marketing businesses where I learned a lot about influence, about selling, about communication. Then I jumped into... Um, public speaking that led me to become a business pitch coach mm. for um, company founders. Mm. You know, you know what it is. It's like when you have a startup, they yeah. typically need a lot of money in order to start their business project, mm. right? So I was helping them to communicate um, the essence of their projects. Um, in pitching competitions or in front of investors in order to get the money that they needed. So I, I really developed this ability to help people get people's buy-in. Yeah, to, yeah extract, so to extract from people the essence of what they had or what they were capable of, but mm -hmm. to wrap it into a message that other people would understand. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Um, Which is very often a problem because, I mean, like you said earlier, there are so many talented people out there that have some expertise, but they don't have the expertise of communicating it or wrapping it mm -hmm. in or, you know, or, I don't know, marketing it or, or branding it or, or, you know, what's the value proposition here? What's the unique selling point? What, what do I solve for you, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I consider myself such a fortunate person because I work with people like that. Mm. Yeah. As a big, big uh, something that I do in parallel to the She Leads program, um, I work with precisely with these people. I work with a lot of engineers. I work with a lot of people from the academia. And I see them as these people with huge hats mm. full of 
amazing ideas that can change the world. Yeah. Um, it's just that because they have this specific skill set, they are usually not trained to <gasps> convey mm. their information, to convey their ideas in a way that other people will understand it and other people will buy into it. So I started to to do that, um, again, utilizing what I know, my own skill set in order to help others. So I was working f with the company founders for um, many years. And guess what? They were all men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I really resonated um, with people in that environment because I, I have a very strong masculine side. I really resonate with that energy. And I... I I absolutely loved it. Mm. So I would utilize my skill set to help these people to, to basically communicate their ideas. And then I had a bit of a personal crisis, one of many. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that happened before I started the She Leads program. Um, you know, at that time I've been running, I've been out of the corporate uh, environment for maybe eight years and let's say that you know i was uh, I, I don't know how to i i have when i when i look back at it i th you know what it is to run a business mm -hmm. right so you need a certain skill set you, you you're constantly making stuff happen you're mm. constantly in the energy of doing planning rationalizing making stuff uh, happen, getting people on board on your project. So I was in that energy all the time for eight years. Mm -hmm. And that became kind of my default energy. This is uh, 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 an energy that is typically associated to the masculine side mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have it, you have it, everyone has got it, right? So um, that is all absolutely amazing when you want to run a business. But in a personal mm. relationship for a woman that's not that amazing mm. and at that time i was going out with someone and i thought oh my god this is the man of my life <laughs> mm. and guess what it finished unexpectedly mm. and i was totally destroyed and um i'm very self-reflective and I, I thought well you know why? Why? What's what have? With, what is my? Me? Yeah, like what is my contribution to this? Mm. And I happened to discover the person that my then uh, boyfriend uh, went back to. I think you know he he was still kind of mm. in parallel seeing someone, and I and I knew her name, and so I checked her <laughs> social media, of course. Mm. And she was this beautiful, beautiful human being. Mm. I mean, honestly, if I was a guy. <laughs> and she was this representation of that feminine for me. Mm. And, you know, I, I really believe that life gives us lessons, mm. right? If we are open to them. And I think that is exactly what I needed at that stage of my life. It was like a wake-up call. It was like a wake-up call because I, I mean, I am a very driven and ambitious and fairly competitive person by nature. I am an Aries, right? Mm. 
And I always employed that in my corporate life. And then in my business, oh my God, I have toughened up so much. And also because I was surrounded by men, mm. you know, that was, I was constantly cultivating the masculine side of me. Um, and I have totally, totally abandoned the feminine part of me. Mm. I didn't have a good relationship with the inner woman inside of me. Okay, results. Well, you know, my personal relationship have have, have crumbled. But it's not only that. Um, you know, there is something that happens to a woman who is constantly only in her masculine. Mm -hmm. You kind of stop having fun. Mm -hmm. You stop engaging in that joy of living. You stop flowing. And this is exactly what happened to me. And so that was a huge wake-up call. And I suddenly had the urge to surround myself by the feminine energy. Mm. Because not only I had male clients, most of my friends, they were men. Mm. And I didn't really need women because women you know to go for coffees and do nothing and gossip that's not for me mm. yeah i was always in the action in the doing in the planning in the rationalizing but like but but, but, but in the personal life also in the, like you know what a private life how in in the personal life also i was bit on the action side and i found it difficult to come down to just be yeah but how what do you mean like the, the, i don't know when you when you 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 wanted to be out biking or hiking or rock climbing. I mean, d d yes, like uh -huh. the action woman, and um, you know, part of that feminine side of us is also that ability to be sensual, mm -hmm. sexual, mm -hmm. to slow down, to feel, to mm -hmm. flow. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah, that's totally, the opposite. Yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the opposite of the masculine. And no. of course, I have it inside of me. It's just that because of my conditioning. As mm. a little person, and also because of my professional and personal history, mm. I have never really developed that side of me. Mm. And I have suffered significantly as a result. Um, and that was a major wake-up call. And when I looked around me when that happened to me, and I saw the few female friends that I had, um, they all had what would appear amazing lives you know you you see that woman and you think oh my god she's got it all mm. look she's the president she is the founder she is this and that but you know what all of us and i i can say this because i know these women intimately we would close the door of the office and come back mm. to an empty place mm. we were all divorced we had troubles connecting with, you know, uh, men mm. because we men would probably find us a bit too scary, too much, too intense. I don't know if you can. No, I think then there are other men that find this intriguing. Yeah. Because maybe they can help them finding the, those moments where they can be a woman. Yeah. To free them from that role, you if know. If you allow them to. Mm. As a man. As a, as a woman. Yeah, if if woman, the woman yeah, yeah. allows that. And yeah. that is the problem because sometimes, you know, you you, you don't want to let the guard down. Mm. 
you don't want anyone to kind of control you. Yeah. Mm. So um, it was a big wake-up call, and I realized this about myself. And I had this urge to surround myself by women. Mm. And it's so funny because at the time, I got a request from a company. Elena, can you, because at the time I was already, you know, not only training the startups, but I was also training in corporations, but again, mostly men. Mm. And I received a request from a company to do a training. I don't remember what the training was about. Uh, but when I arrived to deliver the training, there were only women. Mm. Never, ever, ever has that happened to me. And I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I felt so good suddenly in that energy. And uh, we had a lot of discussion uh, with these women in uh, about their challenges in the workplace. And, you know, they, they all had this story of, yeah, you know, Alena, I work primarily in a male-dominated environment and it's very difficult for me. I know that I have a lot of talents, I have a lot of capabilities, but it seems to me that the people don't see it mm. and they don't want to give me the chance, they don't want to give me the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. You know, I feel unheard, I feel unseen. Um, so I, I, I heard that as a common challenge that they yeah, were. Yeah, you saw the trend. Yes, I saw the trend and I thought, well, this is definitely something that I can help you with. Mm. Yeah. So there was one challenge, but also I saw, you know, I saw many women who've been very much focused uh, on their careers they also had this issue of like not having a good relationship with their female side mm -hmm. because they always considered it as weak and they didn't want to show it at the workplace. And that's a huge shame. Yeah, so... Yeah, but but I, 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 now that I'm, I'm listening to you, I think we... I think it's a, in some way a self-inflicted wound, you know, because we... I'm, I, I've... We we've made the stereotype of this superwoman, you know, that has a business or runs a business or is successful somehow professionally, and then she also climbs glaciers and you know jumps from airplanes and runs marathons and eats healthy and does meditation and yoga and you know what I mean and has everything under control and you know, then you imagine that her calendar looks super organized and her day is super. And then she has a perfect family as well, and there's a picture of her with a dog. And I, th I don't know. I, th I think, I think we created this unrealistic idea, yeah. and then it's enforced. And because in reality, we all have our shit. You know, like we all have our weak moments. We all have moments where we think, "Oh, Jesus Christ, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. Uh, am I good enough? Or, you know, am I is someone better than me? Or whatever. You know, everybody goes through this. Mm -hmm. And but somehow. I, and I think it comes with this gender equality feminism rise. We we kind of took it to a point where we are making really really unrealistic and unfair expectations of women from from this stereotype. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I think that is true. And also the women they have unrealistic expectations of themselves. And there is also this myth um, that says 
we can have it all. Mm -hmm. And many women strive to have it all. (laughs) But unfortunately, that leads to a a lot of frustration. I personally don't think that we can have it all. We can have... uh, we can have what we most desire, mm. but we can't have it all. Mm. Yeah. So. But I also I think people need to kind of stop and smell the roses in some way. I mean, like if I if I look at my life right now, I'm, I'm no, I'm not a woman, but uh, and we are wired a little bit differently, men and women. But I don't know. I've I've built some sort of a rhythm of of life, you know, like I take my dog to the park in the morning and you know, then I have my coffee and of course I could I could be sitting here thinking, "Oh, I wish I had a bigger house or something like that." And 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 to be striving towards that goal, but then I would lose those other moments. You know what I mean? That would be my trading. I wouldn't I don't know if I wanted to become a billionaire, then I would have to work harder or you know i would have to spend more time on business i couldn't do a podcast i wouldn't be able to you know mm. i wouldn't be going to see guns and roses tomorrow because i would be busy talking to investors or whatever yes so and i th- I, th- I, th- I think that that we yeah this trade-off that we are actually making by sacrificing the 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 pleasure of the day for some greater future we need to find that balance. Mm, absolutely. And, absolutely. And it's hard when you have in front of you like all these fake uh, social media photos. You have all this stuff that is telling you that somebody else who you look at is the same age says, look, they have a perfect life. I need to work harder. But no, they just had the perfect photo at that particular moment. Yes. They might have gone in and beat each other up, the husband and the wife, or, you know, or the, I don't know, or... The, Whatever, or the kid drowned in the pool five minutes later. Who knows, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I don't really look at social media that much, and I don't trust what I see. Mm. Because everyone is trying to showcase the bright side of their life, right? No one is going to talk about their own shit and struggles. So, well, anyway, just um, going back to to what I was saying, I... Um, as a result of my own personal struggles with that female side of mind, Mm. and also as a result of what I have seen women struggling at the workplace, you know, those women who do want to build their career, yeah? Not Mm. everyone wants that, Mm. and that is perfectly fine. But those women who really want to make it, who do have ambitions to get into senior management or top management... Um, but they do find challenges in how to navigate that male environment and how to get the recognition, how to build the natural influence in order to make it. I could really see myself in helping them, mm. yeah, because of everything that I knew and uh, I'm kind of a never-ending student of life. I've, I've, I've been training myself a lot. So I I connected w- where I was at that particular moment in time and the need that I saw. Mm. And I put up uh, a first group um, that was the first like she leads test in which um, I put together um, a training for women to basically tap into their potential, develop the potential, um, but also not only develop all of the key leadership skills that they need in order to succeed at the workplace, but to also 
have a look at their life mm. and start thinking, okay, you know, what do I want in life? Um, what kind of life would would I find fulfilling? Because mm. uh, the problem for a lot of the senior people is they start to focus so much on their career that they forget about the rest. Mm. So um, that's why um, I think of my program as something holistic because I not I don't only focus on the professional, but I really focus on the personal. What kind of life do you want to live? And also, who are you? Mm. Um, what is your personal story? How did you come to be the way you are? Mm. And how can we help you to get to know yourself in order for you to have healthy self-confidence? This is something um, that is lacking in many managers. Maybe you know you have observed it yourself. Mm. People who are in leadership positions and they're trying to lead other people, many of them, they lack self-awareness they've never had that introspection they have never done enough work on themselves and as a result (laughs) they're not being very good in managing other people yeah part of that problem i think comes from what you were saying earlier also like about the experts that you were helping like you know we have all these clever people with all these ideas and and skills and stuff and they're not really great at communicating it and now as you mentioned this with with leadership i mean i i think you know like partially leadership is is something that you have in you as a person but a big part of it also to have the confidence to kind of look at yourself and what are your you know weaknesses and admit them, you know, and and be honest about it. But we don't learn this in school, you know. Like so, you we might educate, as you mentioned, like an engineer. Let's say this brilliant engineer. We educate them for five to seven years, and we give them a, a, a doctor. Uh, what's it called? Doctorate, isn't? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we don't tell them anything about how to promote themselves or how to turn, take their ideas into reality. And it's the same with. Uh, leadership we don't we don't really learn leadership no we don't and i agree with you there are certain things that um rely on the temperament mm. yeah so certain personality types they are more inclined maybe that's not the right yeah, word or but they better, are more better suited or better suited mm. yes but vast majority of it can be learned mm can be learned these are skills and abilities that can be learned also when it comes to personality i mean our personality is not set in stone no no, it evolves it evolves Mm. yeah it evolves with our personal professional experiences so absolutely you can develop a lot of leadership abilities Mm. but for me it all starts the foundation of it all is you Mm. um and that is what I really focus on in my program. Before we dive into any of the communication skills, conflict management, public speaking, influence, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which are all key in leadership, um, I my mission is to help the woman discover who she is, mm-hmm. um, discover herself both from 
both the, the good side, you know, all her talents, natural abilities, all the strengths that she can lead, uh, lean into, mm. because many people have no idea. No. Yeah. When you ask them, hey, so what is it you dislike in yeah. yourself? What is it you would change? Mm. Uh, they will never stop talking. Mm. But when you ask them, ha, huh, so what do you really appreciate? Mm. What is good about you? What traits do you really like? They have really difficult find uh, time to, to 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 express that, right? So, I help women to discover this in themselves, and that's fun. And many of them get, you know, pleasant surprises. They ha they get a lot of insights. So we start with the fun part, but then we turn the coin, mm -hmm. because if she wants to have healthy self confidence. She not only needs to know what she can lean on in terms of her strength, but she needs to get to know her dark side. Mm -hmm. um, I always like to think, I, I almost like to think about it as the beauty and the beast mm. in us. Yeah, mm. uh, None of us is perfect and we should never strive. What's your dark side? My do I have many dark yeah, sides. Yeah, bring them on. I'll dim the lights <laughs> and we're going to go into the creepy I can, part. I can. I mean, I know that you you, you wanted to ask me my question, uh, some questions about my childhood and that mm. will clearly show you um, okay. what I have str struggled with. Tell me. So, uh, you want to know it? Yeah, I want to know it. Oh, my goodness. That's why we're here. So We want to know everything about Elena. <laughs> the dark side. I have struggled with this such a long time, Almar. Um, I, not only I was a perfectionist, mm. and there is always a reason for that or mm. that tendency in mm. you. Yeah, So you need to discover why is it that you have these perfectionist tendencies. Mm. But I was the perfect people pleaser. Mm. Wow. That person who would always always try to mold herself in order to satisfy the needs of the other, mm. but having her own needs suppressed. Mm. There is always a, there is also a reason for why I was doing this, and I was doing this well into my twenties, even in the corporate world. You know what happens is that people like that, they very easily slip into being workaholics mm. because obviously they're mm. the last always ones to more, stay in the more, office. Always more to do. And oh, yeah. The boss says, Alena, can you? Of course mm. I can. Mm. Yeah. So I volunteered for everything. My poor husband never saw me ever mm. because I was, I would be constantly at work or I would be on a business trip and in between the normal work day or a business trip, there would be a preparation for the business trip. You know what I mean? So mm. I was a perfect uh, workaholic and I was a people pleaser. I mean, it's a, it's a horrible combination. And it took me, uh, it took me a huge crisis in my life mm. to realize this. Yeah, I, I, I always need to read, read like, hit the rock bottom in order to realize it. Yeah, but that's things. where you actually, like, the bottom is where you can step up from, you know. If you're sinking yes. in a pool, yes. you're not going to make it the way to the top from the middle of the pool. You're going to have to go to the bottom and then you can sprint up, you know. Yes, yes, absolutely. So my this was part of my dark side for a long time. My, you know, people would, they would, because it was my, ambition or it was I was always striving to be liked mm -hmm. 
external yeah. kind of recognition. Absolutely. You didn't like yourself. No. I hated myself. And that you know, that's that's what you have to because I didn't know this, of mm. course, until you start digging deeper and work through it, do therapies, do I did a lot of studying of psychology. I took so many training courses. And little by little, I have discovered that I had this mask on. Mm. I had like this protected shield that I wanted everyone to see because I would never bear Mm. if I took it off. And they would see the sensitive individual, the person who was so unsure and always had to prove to the 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 others. The naked emperor. The, The what? The naked emperor. Yes. Absolutely. The emperor has no clothes. We, we are always afraid of it. We're always afraid that if we show the true us, that people somehow won't like us. And that's a shame. Mm. That's a huge shame. Um, so I had a... That was all part of my dark side. And where did so that I, come from? Um... So I think the the main it always comes down to your childhood, right? Mm. And I think we we talked a little bit about this before starting. You know, um, I I I remember even when I was tiny, I must have been three mm. years, four years. I always felt uneasy about myself. Mm. I I never had like little friends. The, of the same age group, I could never connect with uh, other children. I would always seek more, uh, more um, older kids mm-hmm. or adults. I could ne- never connect. I, I felt really like an alien. I was always, always, always since I remember, since I have a conscious memory of myself, I was always in my thoughts, and I had deep thoughts. Um, and at the time, I mean, at the time I really hated that, but I was always questioning everything. Why are we here? Mm-hmm. What is God? Uh, how uh, old are you when I, you're doing this? I mean, honestly, I, like five, six. What it's crazy. That's I don't crazy, know. I mean, yeah. So can you imagine? And my parents were like, what what's, the, wrong, what's with the wrong with the bloody girl, you know? And they didn't know how to deal with me. Mm. Um, so I I never could find little little children to talk to because they would run away, you know, when I would start like talking. Um, uh, I could not connect with my parents because they would find me a little bit too heavy. Like, how do we respond to that? And so their their response was, "What a stupid question! Mm. You're stupid. That dress is stupid." Elena, don't do that. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. I would hear the word stupid 20 times a day. Mm-hmm. And so I already felt I was a very, very sensitive little little child. I was very introverted. Yeah, mm. I'm in, uh, I have a very good communication spectrum developed, so I love being with people, but I, I am an introvert. Mm. Um, and now I consider it as my strength, but before I was oh my God, there is something seriously wrong with me because I love closing myself in my world. Mm. I love 
thinking these deep thoughts, but no one likes me, not even my parents like me, and they think that I'm stupid. Mm. And uh, so I was so self-conscious. And the uh, and in addition, um, my mum. I have a I have a very very interesting family. My mum is the dominant person in our family, mm. and everyone else in the family was the extension of my mum. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. we didn't have separate identities. That's not how she saw us, mm -hmm. but we were just an extension part of, of the herself. network or, or <laughs> the beehive or whatever. Yeah, absolutely, mm. including my father. Yeah, so my mum would always make every decision including you know the school that i was going to go to uh, she would never ever ask what i wanted how i felt um and for a sensitive child like that because the parents they they were never like curious about the child they would never take my needs into account i felt completely abandoned mm. plus i was feeling alien because i didn't have any other little friends and then i was receiving this stupid message all the time i started to absolutely hate myself and then i had these episodes in my in my childhood years, I remember this, and this was my little trauma. Okay, I, I have to say, <laughs> Almar, that my trauma is nothing in comparison to the traumas that other children can go through. But, But it's your, it's your because trauma. It is my trauma, mm -hmm. and because I was an introvert and I was a very sensitive child, um, it impacted me a lot. I remember I must have been about, I don't know, eight, eight, nine, ten, I don't know. We were going on a ski trip. And um, we would arrive to this uh, ski cottage and then people were quickly forming groups mm. uh, in order to get into the rooms yeah, yeah, for the to accommodation. To organize where to stay. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly found myself alone. I didn't have a body to be put in a room with. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so there I was, there were groups of six, groups of two, groups of... So everyone had their body, they were put in, in the accommodation, and there I was, on my mm. own. And so they thought, well, hang on, I mean, Alina doesn't fit here, doesn't fit here, so let's put her in the sick room. So they put me in the sick room. Wait, like... Uh, It was like like people, when they, when they get injured, or when they are no. sick on the skiing holidays, they put them in this... Yeah. So they put me in the sick room. What the fuck? Yeah. And you're eight? Yeah. And <laughs> listen, so the fact... Oh, So, uh, look, remember that I was already feeling terrible about myself. Who was there? Your parents? or? or no, no, no. Okay. This was a ski... Uh, school, From school? Okay. School ski trip. But there was a teacher there? There was a teacher. There were several teachers. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, so they put me into the sick room. I was there alone. And um, so I was already feeling terrible about myself. I hated myself. And this... Uh, was very traumatic. So when I when I felt really terrible, normally books would be my my yeah. go to. Healing, yeah. Yes. So I remember this night, I was reading this book from our recommended reading mm. list. Yeah, it was one of these Czech poets, and you know, no one would read that. I did it, <laughs> and this um, uh, this girl 
uh, came into my room and she saw me lying in bed with this book by this Czech poet. Mm. She's like, I don't know what are you doing? Oh, I'm here reading. And she didn't say anything. She left the room and she, uh, her room was the next door room and the walls were very thin. Mm. She opened the door to her room. There were six other girls. And she said, oh, my God, you won't believe this. Mm. And she called me, you know, uh, she used my surname. That's kind of, you know, when you when you want to try to make put someone down, mm. you use their surname. So she said, you would never believe what she's doing. She's lying on the bed and she is reading this, you know, this mm -hmm. author. She is such a weirdo. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. So this was one of my many, many little traumas. And that was almost a total confirmation to myself. Yes, it is true. There's I am a weirdo. Yeah. There is something terribly wrong with me. No one wants to be with me. No one wants to love me. I am doomed. Mm. And I had many little episodes like that. Mm. Um, so it's really funny People develop different strategies in order to, to cope. deal with this, yes. Yeah, in order to survive. I wanted to kind of ask you, why are you not in drugs? <laughs> I mean, and yes. like, I mean the fun drugs, not the med med meditation drugs. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, um, I mean, because, you know, like when someone talks about this, they've been called stupid, they've been kind of put down, they're introverts. Yes. But they often would seek the wrong crowd yes. to hang out with where they kind of just get accepted and that's often smoking hash and doing right. heroin or something yeah um fortunately you know first of all don't forget that uh, i've been brought up here in the czech republic mm. and so at that time access to drugs were uh, non-existent yeah, yeah. non-existent mm. plus i I was already at the time very ambitious. I loved learning. I loved studying. Mm. And so, um, and also I, I had older friends and they happened to be, you know, fairly okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I developed a strategy mm. very early on. And my strategy was this. In order to get love, I need to be the best mm. or I need to look really good mm. or I need to just stand out in some way. Um, my, my parents kind of reinforced that message because they, they would never ask me anything. They would not really care about me at all. But it was very important, the my results at school. Mm -hmm. Alena, you have to have straight A's. Mm -hmm. yeah? Then you're going to be, you know, that's going to be... The, or what they really loved was um, when I was standing out in some way, um, they would say, ha, huh, have you seen? Everyone looked at you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what did so, you... So, uh, several strategies. Mm. I was the best in class, of course. Mm. All the teachers loved me. You know, I would be this typical student sitting in the first row, okay? Everyone hated me. Yeah. But the, the, the teachers, oh my God, Alena, she is so amazing. So that was my one of my strategy. Another strategy, I was, <clears throat> well, I didn't tell you about my father. Uh, my, my father, so my mother was this dominant type. She was deciding mm. everything. And my father was a bohemian. He was a musician. Mm. And he, w he was just in in a different world. So both were absent for me. 
Yeah, my father, you would close him with his piano in a room, and there could be a volcano, you know, going off next to his head. He would not even notice. Mm -hmm. So both were absent. But I, I have traits from both. I'm very artistic, you know, I'm, mm. I'm very artistic. So very early in my childhood, I was drawn to music and dancing. Mm. And I got myself into ballroom dancing. Listen, anyone listening, <laughs> if you have self-esteem issues, that's the way to go. You know, these girls, they look pretty. Mm. They wear shiny dresses. Mm. They high wear heels. high heels. Uh. They smile. They do all uh. these postures and everyone loves them mm. so see my strategies i was the best student i was looking good and you know i loved being seen and mm -hmm. get that validation oh my god alena you're so good mm -hmm. yeah and then because um i got very um, as an introvert and very sensitive person um I was always tuned into people. I could read people very early in my childhood. I could read my mother's reaction, my father's reaction. And I would then adjust my behavior accordingly. Mm. See, this is a perfect... But mixture. that's a skill also. Well, nowadays, listen, mm. nowadays, I mean, this is, this is a huge strength that I have. Mm. Mm. And I use that in my work with people because I know, you know, I can very quickly detect... Mm certain tendencies, mm. patterns, or, you know, mm. ways of being that is not conducive to good results for the person. So nowadays, of course, I know that all this mm. is on my side. I use it as my strength. But before it was my protect, I developed this as my way to survive in the world. Mm. I was feeling terrible about myself. I hated myself. Mm -hmm. And so the way to get love was to be the best, mm. to look really good, to be impressive, you know, like to be impressive, basically. Mm. Yeah? And to please the other. My needs were not important. Mm. You know, whatever you say, I will mold and I will adjust my behavior so that you are happy. Mm. doesn't matter how I feel, but I want to make you happy because if you're happy, you will give me the love yeah, that I so desire. It's not unconditional. Yes. And can you imagine... I had these strategies well into my 30s. Yeah, but at least you got out of God. them, you know, like, because, uh, to be very honest, because, I mean, I've done a lot of, you know, self-reflection, and as we were talking about before we started recording, you know, like, I, um, yeah, I mean, I I can relate to a lot of this, what you're saying. I mean, I wasn't, I, I wasn't being, um, what do you say, broken down. But I was definitely, you know, the middle kid, and 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 so I kind of got different attention and and more freedom, which I both appreciated. But also, it definitely gave me. I was seeking a lot of validation from 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 the outside, and and I think I. It also helped me kind of develop skills, and I when I learned this, I kind of started taking responsibility for it. You know, like I cannot use. I don't know, my childhood or how I behaved in the past. I can't use that as an excuse for what I'm doing today. I need I need to, to be responsible for, for who I am. Mm -hmm. And but it also, as as you mentioned, it gives you a certain strength, you know, it gives you the, the qualities that you actually have. And the main thing is like you're from the dark side, 
but you're using your stuff from the dark side on the bright side. You're, mm-hmm. you, and you're using it in the right way. Yes. And and I think I see a lot of people around me and, and, and I know a lot of people where I, it's so obvious that there are issues uh, that they're carrying with them and they're repeating the patterns and, and things. are And they're not happy. No one is happy. The people around them are not even happy, even if they're trying to make them happy. And I'm always so happy that I, I, I stopped. I somehow, okay, there's something here. I need to look into this. I need to figure this out. Because some people, they die with this. You know, they, yes. they, they take this with them to the fucking grave. Yes. But at least, you know, yeah. it's like a second chance. Totally, totally. And I love helping people discover what it is for them because then they can convert their dark mm-hmm. side or the suppressed side of their s- personality. Can you imagine I had to suppress a lot of who I am? Yeah. Um, and that is terrible for an individual. Mm. You know, if you don't want people to see who you really, really are, that's terrible. So yes, what you're saying is so right. So very few people are willing to do that work mm. because it requires some, you know, you really need to open the Pandora box mm. and see all the shit that is happening. Mm. Many people find it too scary. Mm. Yeah. But then they, they get their own crisis later in life and maybe sometimes they figure it out. Sometimes they, they do not. Yeah. But I think there are some people that are not, you can't repair them. I think like a narcissist often has a very, they've, I, d- I don't know. Yeah, for these, for for the people who who already have like you know um, psychological disorder, mm. it's very difficult. Mm. It is very very difficult, and sometimes you're right, it is not repairable, unless something so significant happens in that person's life, you know, some something so strong um, that it makes them reevaluate everything mm. but yeah some people for some people it's not possible my favorite narcissist has lost a child and had cancer and two other life-threatening health incidents hasn't blinked an eye mm-hmm. doesn't even know that she's a narcissist yes. asked me what does this word even mean it's yes. it's it's crazy yes i have the same mm. my favorite narcissist mm. narcissist right I have the same, yes. Some people just don't. You see, um, it's very difficult in this world as well. This, We live such a fast-paced mm. life and there is so much happening on the outside. Mm. And so we put so much focus on the outside world that we sometimes don't go often enough into the inner world mm. where, in order to explore hey, mm, this is how I'm feeling. Why am I feeling like this? Mm. Yeah, Because there's always something out there that requires your attention. <laughs> that is why I, I find that all these body-mind techniques or mindfulness or meditation so good mm. because it temporarily um, gets you away from the outer world mm. to mm. connect with something deep inside you. Mm. And that is absolutely awesome. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's go a little bit, Alena, into um, uh, because yeah, I'm curious about the the uh, 
we were talking earlier about why you why you went into she leads and 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 why you felt the need was there and i'm i'm just is it like we have changed the female role a lot and and i have a i have a feeling that it's happened maybe f- faster than we've been able to kind of i don't know learn to adapt with it and because when we when 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 we when we expect a woman to both have a great career whether it's in management or, or just whatever but we also want her still to be a mom we want her to be a housewife she has to be sexual she has to be sensual um nothing has really changed for men like like the expectation of course it changed a little bit that that men are supposed to be having maybe a little bit different role in the relationship and it is changing but but this is just such a drastic change for the woman and and it just makes me think for example here in the Czech Republic so one of the things that I I noticed that was different here than in Scandinavia both in Denmark and Iceland and I don't know I mean you lived in five different countries so I guess you also see see it differently but there was a, this enormous social pressure here to have children for example and and if you didn't take your three years maternity leave then you were a you're a bad mom mm-hmm. and and it and the worst thing is that it's other moms saying it about that mom or the granny or the mom of that mom is saying it so it's actually the people that should be supporting you that are kind of going after you how how is this here now mm. what's your kind of yeah i guess it will be different for a Czech national mm. or for a person that has been exposed to different cultures mm. and working environments. It is true that um, the typical Czech woman, she will probably battle still these stereotypes, right? Um, I really believe that the woman should be allowed to make her own choices in life. If she wants to focus on her career... And maybe not have kids. That's her choice. Mm. If she wants to have a kid but return to work after one year, she should have the choice. Mm. Yeah, she should she should make that personal choice. It's just that yes, she is then facing a lot of backlash or what is the word? Mm. Um, they they start calling her names. Hey, you're a bad mom. You're this. You're that. Um, so I think this is very typical still uh, when you move in the Czech national environment. In the international environment, and I remember I, I work with women who work for, you know, in very international environments, there it's already very different because mm. the company culture, it already supports different values and it wants to give, it praises a woman if she if she wants, if, she, if the woman has got an ambition and if she wants to be a mom, but also um, build a, a good career for herself, the company actually supports that. Mm. Yeah. So it's slowly changing, but it is true. Some women, they still have this obstacle. There are certain expectations of her mm. um, that she has to deal with, and it feels really bad. And you know what? It goes back down to <sighs> we need to stop 
look at our life and ask ourselves these fundamental questions. What do I want for myself, mm. regardless of what people want from me? Mm. What do I want? Mm. People find it very difficult to do that. People are, you know, many people are still, they still feel the pressure of the environment and they let their choices be influenced by that environment. Mm. Yeah. But when we really work on that, it, when we do the inner world work, um, and we know who we are, what type of we wanna, what type of life we wanna create for ourselves, um, that helps. Mm. And then you need to have really strong boundaries. And if someone doesn't like your choice, that is their business. Mm. Yeah. I but it's hard. As I please. It's hard to stand this hard. pressure, you know. It is really, really hard. Like you said, like what you were saying, you said they told you you were stupid or this looks stupid. You are stupid. Imagine if you, I don't know, I have friends here, female friends that, you know, I meet them after a week and then how was your week? I met my parents and my grandmother and all they talked about where are the grandchildren, you know. My, <coughs> my girlfriend's mom, she's Hungarian. First thing she asked us when he met, she met us together, when are you going to get married? When do the kids come? And, and we just said, well, never. Uh, and it's and it's nonstop. It's like a fucking radio. You know, turn on these grannies and it's yes. like a fucking radio nonstop, you know? Yes, but then I'm sure that your girlfriend has got um, a larger network. It's not only... Uh, her her mom. No right? no 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 and exactly and but she moved away from she moved away from right. from where she, she's Hungarian so yes. she moved away so that I think well she ran away probably yes be, because she actually wanted to to be able to kind of carve out that her own life and her own path yes without having that social pressure yeah. you know you know I think that there are two things that need to happen you need to work on your own inner toughness and mm. inner confidence. So in order to stand up for who you are and what you want. Mm. And on the other hand, you know, you need to accept that, um, you know, people have their own opinions about your life. Mm. And you need, to you need to kind of accept that that is their business. Yeah. They are absolutely free to express how they feel about mm. your life. Mm. But that is their business. Mm. You can listen to it. But you can still go for your own choice. And you can't please them all. You can't please them all. And I think it's really important for us to, you know, have a bunch of friends or contacts that are supportive. Because, you mm. know, people who love us, they mm. will, un they might object our choices, mm. but they will accept our choices. Mm. I had this with my parents big time. Mm. First, I married a Spaniard. In their, Hola. in their, Ola, yes, in their eyes, oh my God, Alena, are you bloody mad? He's going to lock you down in the kitchen. You will have three kids on your back and will be cooking, you know, the whole day. How did they, it they go? Had pre, they had preconceived ideas about a Spanish husband, right? Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you that... At the end, well, we didn't have kids with my with my ex husband, but uh, he was the one cooking. Yeah. I was I was the one actually making larger money than him, um, and you know he was amazing, very open minded. Mm. He was so supportive of my own development and of my own career. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so at the end, my my parents came to absolutely adore my husband. Or then when I quit 
when I quit the corporate world, I actually quit everything in my life at that time. And my parents were like, I mean, mm. are you crazy, Olena? Yeah. What the fuck? Yes. And when I started my own business, they're like, are you crazy? You know, these little, little entrepreneurs, they never make it, blah, blah, blah. So they were very much criticizing my choices. Mm -hmm. But you know what? <sighs> I understand that they criticize my choices because they love me and mm. they care about my well-being and they don't want me to end up, you know, as a bankrupt old woman being alone. Yeah. Mm. So I, I understand but it never stopped me from doing what I feel is the best for me. Mm. And now my, par my parents see me happy. So they might still object. You know, they my parents would be the happiest if they saw me in some big corporation. Yeah, um, They don't. I have my own uh, activity. But they are happy because they see me happy. Mm. So I think that you well, that's know. great because I mean I think a lot of people struggle with this because um, uh, to to actually accept other people's happiness for what it is because um, I I have this feeling that this kind of peer pressure or society pressure is very much often evolves around people not wanting to reflect on their own life so if everyone is doing the same. Even if they're unhappy, it must be right because everyone is doing it, so it must be right. So I often have felt like um, um, the the people that have cr criticized other people's choices the most are the ones that are most scared of looking in the mirror. They don't want to self-reflect, you know. Oh, absolutely. So your parents are, I, I would say, if they if they can't be happy for you, I think that's great, you know. Yeah, but it took them time. Yeah. Yeah. It was an evolution on my part and also on their part. Mm. But yeah, um, what you're saying is true. We let ourselves influenced by what we see or by what the society tells us is the mm. way to go. Mm. That's why I repeat the inner world. The inner work is so important. Mm. You need to realize what type of person you are, mm. what attracts you, mm. what kind of life you want to live. What are the consequences of living the type of life that you want to have for yourself? Because there are consequences. Mm. Yeah. And if you make these choices from a place of peace rather than pressure, you know, then it's great. And it feels so good. But um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they were talking about... Um, this kind of self-responsibility, you know, to be, be responsible for your own happiness and your own well-being and health and all that stuff. And I, the guy who was talking about it, he said that before COVID came, he was very much on this universal, what's it called, universal basic income or something like that, you know. Yeah, universal basic income, I think. But people would just be paid some money so that they could go and grow themselves and blah, blah, blah. And then COVID came and we kind of did that. We actually started giving people money for being home or we started giving companies money so they could keep people at home. And, and a lot of people in certain industries couldn't go to work, so they were, gi they were giving money or, or some benefits. And, and, and the guy was saying that actually he changed his mind about thinking that we should give everyone money because most people just wasted this money. They didn't 
used it and they actually don't want to go back to work. They just want to get more money. So they didn't use this money to grow, you know? And 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 I I and I feel like that I, I want to grow. I want to learn new things. I, I, that's why I'm here, you know. That's why I'm meeting you because I'm excited about talking to someone new, to hear someone else's point of view. It makes me think. It makes me reevaluate my own values or what, my opinions and, and and stuff like that. But I just think that so many people just they just want to. I don't know, somehow follow, or they just want to be... Or take the easy route. Yeah. And like, and they have this expectation that somehow, yeah, the the government should do this. Mm. And I think, for example, when we talk about, you know, f- let's say feminism or gender equality and female participation in business and politics, like, that's where I feel like we we talk quotas, we talk about law, we talk about changing the rules so that you like in Scandinavia now companies are forced to have women on on the the board of directors and that's even if that company would be i don't know i don't know if that exists like some super male product or male industry or whatever where actually a female input wouldn't necessarily be helpful even you know like so it's it's a forced thing instead of saying so how can we actually rather give those women and those men or whoever is the the group that we're talking about how can we give them the tools and the ability to actually figure out do, do they want this i don't know would you want to be on the board of directors of a company if you know that you are there just because there's a quota that says you should be there yeah this issue of of, uh, of quotas is um, is a complicated run right i changed my opinion on the quotas like 20 times yeah um i I'm going to give you my current view. Yeah. Mm? Okay. <laughs> um, I think quotas were incredibly helpful right at the beginning mm. when we literally had no female representation mm. uh, on the board of directors, in companies, in the society. They were very, very helpful. That was almost the principal tool in order to get that woman in there because otherwise she wouldn't stand a chance mm. yeah because of all these biases preconceived ideas stereotyping etc so at the beginning it was super helpful and i think that it fulfilled its purpose nowadays mm, again it depends on the country mm. yeah even when you look at the countries of the european union the situation is slightly different. In some countries, um, the representation of women in the society is already pretty high. Uh, pretty equal, high. Uh, yeah. In some countries, not so much. But what I'm what I'm what I'm thinking now, quotas the need for quotas has expired in my view mm. and now yes quotas could have this effect on some people that you have the feeling that you got the position just because mm. you were a woman mm. or just because you were um, a, a, a representative of the lgbtq community mm. yeah because mm. now now with this diversity and inclusion we're starting these initiatives as well mm. so i think that at the beginning there is the, the quota makes sense because you really the you know 
let, let me see how I express this. It's really important that people see people of different races, of different genders, mm. of different pre preferences. They see themselves represented. Mm. Yeah, because that if you see something, if you see that someone who you identify with has made it, it kind of empowers it, you. Yeah, it yeah. empowers yeah. you, right? Um, I can see that. So, so that's why I'm saying that the quotas, uh, right at the beginning of the initiatives, they're they're really powerful. But now I don't think we need them anymore mm. because there is enough, at least when it comes to men and female representation. Mm. Yeah, depends on the country, but but I think uh, we don't need them anymore. Now. Yeah, you gave me different angle on this with the with the quotas. That yeah, it can be an inspiration for others when they see that somebody else made it there and and, and something like that. But I and I think that's a actually a very good argument for having something like that. But on the other hand, what I what I find now is that um, in my mind, well, it's not even in my mind. It's just by all data and statistics. The world is a better place now than it was 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, whatever. You know, there are fewer people dying, there are fewer people starving, there are fewer natural disasters, there are fewer wars. I mean, it's silly to say that now while there is a war, but there are fewer wars or fewer people dying from wars, let's say, uh, than, you know, I mean, because the world has always been a war zone. It's just that we were born in a peaceful time, and so we just kind of think, oh, yeah, this is how it should be. No, it's actually, that this is the exception, you know, to have 80, 70, 80 years of peace in Europe. It's just like, it's weird. So so everything is good, you know, like, and, you know, f women are being more participant, literacy is going up, fewer children die at birth. I mean, it, it, except in some third world countries, like in the U.S., where they have huge infant death, but I don't know. And... Uh, it's so interesting, though, that I feel that the angle that is being taken in, in kind of public discussion is that everything is going to hell. Mm. Everything is horrible. And, uh, and, and that kind of takes me also to those kind of minority groups in a way that if I, if I, would, just, if I would be an alien and I would visit now Earth and I would go into, I don't know, some social media or something and I would look at what is being talked about and then I would go to the press, then I would think that this is a bunch of people out here that are kicking down trans people on the street and killing them. Mm -hmm. That that's what we do for a living. Or, I don't know, or that we, you know, that we systematically lock women in the basement or that, that there is some club called the Patriarch that is um, somewhere. I, I feel that a lot of those things that are actually by data and statistics improving and so on are being amplified. And because they are being amplified, it's so easy to say, I'm not responsible. It's a big problem. The government needs to do something. We need rules. We need to have more government. We need to have more people telling us how to behave, how to be, what to do. And, in, and I think, unfortunately, I think that we will wake up one day in a place that we don't necessarily want to be because we gave up a lot of our independent thought, our critical thinking, and our responsibility for ourselves, our health, our mental well-being, our career, and we said, 
let's give it to the government or let's give it to Google or whatever, you know. Mm. Wow, there's a lot of different ideas in what you just said, right? You want to go so home? You, 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 no. This is it. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, the all these it's the dar- this is my dark side. <laughs> no, all these are the ideas are totally valid and worth um, exploring. The first thing you said is that um, the media ten, almost tends to focus on what is going wrong mm-hmm. rather than what is going right. Mm-hmm. I often wonder... Is this because media, you know, the, the different channels, they need to make money, mm-hmm. right? What sells, Elmar? Mm-hmm. Not happiness, that for sure. Just awful when you but you've said it before, right? when you're asking those women, what is wrong with you? They come with a 10 minutes yes. pitch, and when, when you ask them what's right with you, yes. I, I don't know. It's horrible, isn't it? I mean, what sells, what people watch, what people desire is... They want to see tragedy. They want to see, you know, something thrilling. Mm. They, that That is, I think that the media know that when they come with something bad, negative, controversial, mm. um, they're going to drive a lot of traffic. So mm. I think that this is probably part of the reason, right? Mm. That the media is, is uh focused primarily on what is going wrong than what is going right that's why you know i myself i expose to the media minimally okay i give myself a few minutes in the morning just to check what is going on to not to be totally ignorant Mm. and that's it for me Mm. because i want to focus there is so much greatness happening Mm. the life okay life can be really complex and uh, shit happens in life but life is also beautiful Mm. we need to open our eyes and start seeing all the good things that are happening around us because there is a lot but the thing is that again it goes back down to what I said we focus too much on um, the well hang on that's not related so much to to the idea but yes uh, people nowadays they uh, spend a lot of time on media, whether it is social mm. media or just watching TV. Mm. And if that, if this is what they do, then they can very quickly gain the impression that the world is falling apart. Mm. And that's not the case. No. I mean, I remember when I was traveling, um, I was in Thailand. It was in 2018. And I don't know if you remember, there were a major government protests yeah, um, in yeah, Thailand yeah, and there was some yeah. yes so I remember I was sitting on this terrace in Thailand we were having a chat and drink with my friends mm. you know everything peaceful we were mm. having a lot of fun and I received a phone call from my parents oh my god Alina are you okay you know mm. is everything okay mm. because we know we've seen it and I'm like what have you seen yeah you didn't <laughs> it's even all know. Happened. You know it's it's in Bangkok oh my god get yourself out of there because this this is gonna get really bad and mm. I'm like mom what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I am sitting in the heart of Bangkok. Let me check out of the window. Nothing is happening. What, what, mm. what are you talking about? Mm. And so that is the thing. You mm. know, the media... Okay, there were some protests in a in a isolated part of the city. Yes, something mm. was happening, but 
they made it sound and look like the end of the, the world. The, the whole country is mm. protesting mm. and a, a war is on the verge of breakout. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yes. So that's that's one part that I want one of one of the ideas that I wanted to address. That is my my view. You know. <sighs> Okay, media is good, you know, it's good to be aware, but hey, mm. just live a life mm. rather than watch it on TV. Mm. Because if you live a life, then you realize that life is pretty bloody amazing, yeah. right? And it happens it happens outside the the news. Your life your life happens outside the news because there's most of the stuff on the news you can't really do anything about, you know? Yes, absolutely. And then you you're exploring other ideas as well, really valid, very interesting and you know, um it reminds me of all these movements that we've been going through recently. Mm. The Me Too movement um, the Black Life Matters. Now, mm. we, now we have all the cancel culture, woke, right? All these movements. Mm. And I have a feeling, again, this is my personal you know, opinion, but I have a feeling that, again, because media are in the business of business, mm. right? Mm. Um, or companies, they also want to create a certain impression. They want to mm. create a certain image, perception yeah. in the image, yeah, mm. in the eyes of the people who buy their stuff. Mm. So companies and the media, they kind of, they uh, try to create that message that, yes, you know, we are totally supportive of this movement and this is what we're doing. Mm. You know, look how we're supporting black um, uh, employees. Mm. Look how we are uh, giving opportunities to the LGBTQ community. Mm. Uh, so it, it sounds to me that we always jump on this wave, mm. the current wave, mm. and the media try to focus on little things, little situations, little stories that happen related to that wave and highlight it. Mm. And so it sounds, it, when you then watch it as an independent observer, mm. it you get the impression that, you know, it's a really big issue. We are all homophobic. We mm. are all abusing, you know, this and mm. that minority group. But it's not like that. But that's, I think also now when I listen to you, what what is very often missing, and I felt that very much in during during COVID, because, I mean, obviously COVID and news about COVID kind of took over our lives for a, for a long time. And... They never gave us the perspective. So it's very easy to say 100 people died and you think, oh, that's horrible. But then, like here in this country, 307 people die every single day on average, every day of the year. And it happens to be that those 100 that died, they actually fit into the, the demography of the people who would be dying when 300 people died. And I felt, and I feel that this is the case with, with a lot of, lot of incidents like this. That, for example, <coughs> if you look look at murders, or police crime or police brutality, um, we never hear about the other cases. We don't. We only hear about the ones that affect a certain minority, not the other minority. So we don't. We we are never given anything that gives us a chance to say okay was this is this really a problem 
Is it a marginal issue? Is it a mainstream problem? And I, I had, a, I had this friend who lived in 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 China for a, for three years or something like that, and and we were talking about how, I don't know how it came up, but he told me like, yeah, it was in the news in Iceland that I don't know, like four hundred people died in China in some rain, you know, some thunderstorm or something like that. This is I don't know, twenty years ago or something, and. And I called him, like your mom, to Bangkok, you know, and I'm like, oh, so how is it? And he said, well, it's not even in the news here. I said, what do you mean? Well, there's 1.2 billion people here. So 500 yeah. per day is, is just, it's nothing. Yeah. So I feel that we are, we are giving a lot of these kind of information, but just, uh, just, just one number, not like, okay, in the context of historically, this is a high death rate or... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, women have lower salaries than men, but they actually increased the salaries by 80% versus men in the last three years, and they're almost catching up. Yeah. It's so easy to pick one number or one thing out and not put it into context of, is it developing? Is it a trend? Is it high? Is it low? Yes. And this way, you get your mom to call you in Bangkok. Yeah. If it's she would have known that Bangkok has 20 million people, yeah. Maybe she would have thought, okay, it's a slim chance that she is there, you know? Yes. It's like these Twitter tweets. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can you can put something in a Twitter and people don't have the context. No. They don't have the comparison. And then if the person doesn't have the critical thinking skill, mm. they can be easily misled. Mm. Right? And this is a huge problem in the society. We are so polarized, right? Mm. And uh, we all love to be right. And we keep going to places that confirm our own truth. Yes. Right? Um, I'm talking about this mm. cognitive biases, mm. right? Mm. This is something that we need to get out of. Mm. We need to challenge our own opinions rather than always subscribe to a particular mm. tribe mm. and only hear the opinions uh, of that particular group, right? It's good to challenge our own shitty beliefs sometimes. But yes, it, you're totally right. We are exposed to a lot of information and sometimes that information is condensed. Mm. And so if we do not investigate what is behind that particular statement, that particular mm. number, we can be easily misled. And, and people don't, some people don't want to investigate. Mm -hmm. I can feel it like people rather want kind of convenient, bullshit than an yeah. inconvenient truth yeah fast information yeah give me fast input right yeah. so but that's that's where we are heading i'm mm. really worried about that but it's it, no but on the other hand the great thing about it uh, the way that i look at it i know this sounds arrogant and all that but i think that it just gives more opportunity to those who actually are willing to do the work of standing out and being different and doing their own thing because the ones who just kind of walk in a circle somehow, dictated by whatever is on the agenda on that particular day or whatever, and they go, go through... So first of all, they go through a million emotional roller coasters per day, so they, they get nothing done. So that leaves a chance for people that can get stuff done. <laughs> uh, they will never go for the opportunities. They, they, because they're just so busy chasing the last breadcrumb that wh whoever dropped in front of them, and, okay, now I need to be 
Now I need to be me too. Now I need to be this. Now I need to be that. Now I need to go there. They don't have really an identity. It's yeah. just a pus- puzzle made up of some external nice feeling things, you know. And, and, and then when, when some of the people that I know that are like this, they, they actually feel really bad. And they, they feel guilty. They feel guilty about, I don't know, traveling because it's for the environment and and they feel guilty for this and they feel guilty i mean it's it's the greatest trick in the, on earth is to make us feel guilty for being human mm. it's amazing mm. I agree. because you can get us then you can tell us okay you need to buy this you need to stop doing that you need to do this covid we made little kids responsible for killing their grandparents and this this is brilliant you know this conditioning of this because then you're going to be able to tell those kids later, mm, you're kind of killing the environment or you're kind of doing this or you kind of... So stay inside for a month. And they're just going to say, yeah, because I remember that I almost killed my granny. Mm. This is mass hypnosis in a, in, a, in a conditioned way. You know, I know I sound, now I sound like some crazy person, but... Mm, yeah, I mean, this whole COVID issue is complicated and honestly, mm. I'm totally not an expert on the issue. In fact, Neither am I. I I would not want to be in a position of someone who has to take these tough decisions. No, yeah. I agree. And we can criticize all we yeah. want, but I, I, I want to truly believe that there are some people with really good intentions. Mm. They followed a certain trend, they listened to a certain uh, group of scientists, mm. and you know they have then r- made societal recommendations accordingly. Yeah, and I think and I think you're absolutely right. Making that decision, because if you make the wrong... So you're always going to gravitate to the safer way. You're going to extend that uh, curfew. You're going to extend that mask wearing. You're going to force more vaccinations. You're going to do... Because you don't want to be that politician that if we find out, like, I don't know, after five years mm-hmm. or something, yeah, oh, shit, we, should, we could have stopped if we didn't. You're going to be fucked. Yes. So I, I, I do understand that. What my problem was that when we actually started seeing the data and when we started seeing the rea- reality of it, that there are, there are certain risk groups, we never addressed why are you in a risk group, go out and exercise, eat healthier, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yes. Number two, when we realized that these vaccines didn't stop the spread and they, you know, and the virus mutates and all that, we couldn't, you couldn't even talk about it. The stuff was being censored, you know? Mm-hmm. That's where I feel like, okay, if if I can't speak my mind, then there is something smelly. Yes. This is huge. Mm. And this makes me think not only about COVID, but about other controversial issues, mm. right? And it also tackles one of the ideas that you have mentioned previously, this freedom of expressing mm. our opinions, mm. freedom of speech, mm. right? Mm. I find that this is... Um, it is in danger somewhat. Mm. Because if you, I mean, no one cares about what I say, right? But if you happen to run for a president and you start... One day you might. (laughs) Not me, my dear, not me. (laughs) Um, So if you run for a president or if you're a a very important public figure, um, you almost need to watch your every word. Because the society will very, or the the people, not everyone, but many people will very quickly condemn you, right? Because you your opinions are not aligned with what is perceived as 
acceptable. Acceptable. But that how is, is that for you? I'm curious about you because I, um, I mean, in your business in she leads, you know, I mean, you're 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 dealing with and training and and coaching top executives uh, in companies, bigger companies, and stuff like that. It's and now because you mentioned earlier, like there there is a lot of this uh, social responsibility uh, on the agenda in in businesses. I personally feel I'm not asking you even to comment on that, but I feel a lot of it is very kind of fake. It's it's um, it, because in the end, companies are about making money for the shareholders um, and bonuses for the management. So, um, I. But I, f- I feel that all of this is so much out there now and no one really knows where is it going to go next because you mentioned there have been these topics like Black Lives Matter, there's been the Vogue, there's been Me Too, there's been climate emergency, there's been COVID, stay safe, stay home, wash your hands, whatever. I mean, there's been like... And it, it's it's a moving target. You know, it's never... You never, you can never wake up in the morning as a as a CEO of a company or even as an individual and think, I'm, I'm good, I, I am good because that day there will be something new that you're supposed to fulfill because, so it's actually the world is being very narcissistic to us because it's constantly telling us we're not good enough. And then I'm thinking, okay, so someone like you who moves within this world. Do you need to censor yourself somehow? Do you know what I mean? Or do you feel that you would have the freedom to go out and, I don't know, say whatever you want? Mm-hmm. Or to, Because I think a lot of people, they self-censor. I, I do it. I would want to say much more than I say, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Because I know that it would get me like a, a wave of hate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Look, I mean... Almar, I'm no one um, in, in so for me, there is not so much danger if mm. I open my mouth and start talking about controversial topics um, because I in addition, I talk to environments that are fairly open mm-hmm. yeah to them, to different opinions mm-hmm. uh, but if if honestly, if someone is in a in a position of huge visibility, that is very difficult. Mm-hmm. You either, you know, I, 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 I am a huge fan of communication. Mm-hmm. I believe that no matter your opinion, if you know how to communicate it without people getting defensive, mm-hmm. that's the way to go. That's a very good way to see it. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, because sometimes these contra- you know sometimes someone who's got a very controversial uh, ar- um, argumentation point they put it in a way that make the 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 listener immediately get defensive upset, yeah defensive mm-hmm. how dare you who are you to say this mm-hmm. but if you say it you know if you say it from the heart and if you say it as this is the conclusion that I came to myself based on this and that, um, I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. you know, if you say it in a more humble way, more humble way mm-hmm. that basically this is where you are. Mm-hmm. You strongly believe in this because this has led you to it. This has led you to it, and you're offering the opinion 
to others. Mm -hmm. And if you disagree with it, let's have a debate about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Or, or agree to disagree. Uh, or, or agree to disagree. But but instead of having this debate, mm. no, we try to shut the person up. Mm. No, this is totally... How, how can you even say it out loud? Mm. No, no, no. And it closes the communication. Mm. Yeah. So, so I think that each one of us, we should really work on our communication skills so that no matter the opinion, we are able to communicate it in a way that people will be willing to look at it, willing to consider it. Mm. And then uh, from the other side, we as listeners to whoever is communicating, mm. we should also have the willingness to see this person's point mm. because we can always learn from it. Mm. We don't necessarily need to agree, agree but maybe there is something in this person's argumentation point that can expand your own horizon, that can enrich your mm. own point of view. Mm -hmm. But no, I want to be right, you wrong. Mm. Yeah. So we need to get rid of this. Uh, it shouldn't attitude. be a It shouldn't be a competition about no. this. Yeah, but but we don't get enough of these debates that we bring two parties mm. together. Mm. Hey, this is what I stand for, mm. and this is what I stand for. Let's have them communicate, mm. and maybe they come to some kind of consensus. Mm. Yeah, this is not happening enough, and that's a shame. Mm -hmm. uh, it's um. I don't know what causes this. I mean, why Why do we have to... I mean, maybe it's just we want to identify as part of a tribe somehow, you know. We, we, need, we mm. feel the need to belong somewhere, you know. But also, Omar, listen, I think that um, going into the unknown mm. can be a hugely scary anxious inducing experience to many people mm. and so they rather stick to what they know to their opinions to mm. their rigid way of thinking mm. yeah. because if they divert it they would see something that would that might scare them yeah and that's crazy to be scared of yourself to be scared of changing your mind changing your opinion changing the way that you live and and that's actually you're an agent of change that's that's Actually, I now it kind of everything we talked about it kind of boils down to this. It's about having the guts or be brave enough to look at yourself and change. Mm. And and that kind of seems to be now. It just came to me now, yes. like now, yes. straight from your dark side. It came to my head. Right. It's all about being brave enough to look inside and then change if you have to. Yes, and yes, and. This is maybe where people encounter encounter it. This is why they, they find it very difficult because somehow the society want, wants people to be consistent. Mm. Yeah? Okay, so this is who you are. Mm. This is what you believe in. This is what you do. And so I want to see you that way in five years. You know, mm. th This is how I, I have labeled you in my head in a specific way and don't dare to deviate from that. Mm. That's horrible yeah. because we all life is a continuous change. Mm. We change. Mm. I told you that I myself changed my opinions on quotas about 20 times mm. because I'm exposed to new information. I talk to more people. I have the space to reflect on it. So 
Iya. Mm. But the, the catalyst in, in, in your change was, you know, you had this crash, you know, and but you what you did is that you kind of went spiritual in some way, right? Well, I mean, um, you were not just in Bangkok for the protest. You were there for <laughs> some reasons, right? <laughs> um, well, um, I had my first huge crisis um, when I was about thirty. I think I was the 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 age of the of Christ, thirty three. <laughs> so I had my huge crisis. In which I re- I was working uh, in the corporate world. I was married. I had this like life that, from uh, other people's point of view, would seem like this Perfect. is a good life. Yeah. No one was putting life. you on a cross. <laughs> no one was putting me on a cross, but yeah, it, 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 from the outside, my life seemed really perfect, mm. and I didn't feel perfect. Perfect in it at all. I was like, oh my God, is this it? Mm. Is this all I can hope for in life? I was working like hell. I was, there were certain things in my job that I really enjoyed, but 70% not really. So um, to cut the story short, I came to a huge crisis, but also for the reasons that I highlighted to you. Mm. I was a workaholic, I was a people pleaser, blah, blah, blah. So I decided, I had a huge crisis, I decided Okay, do I like my life? I totally hate my life. I'm going to start again. Mm. And that's what I did. I put a full stop behind everything. My husband, my house, my job, my the country, everything. Wow. I packed. It, it, it took me, of course, I didn't do that. On a Friday, from, from Friday to Saturday. <laughs> no. But I had this. I am a very, I have this something in me. It's like an inner compass. And I feel things strongly. And when I had that idea that I should quit, mm. I should ju- just go and travel for a year, you know, it, it was so strong that I did it. And yes, hang on, that was a long... So once you make a decision, you go for it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, mm, I didn't know what I wanted. All I knew was that the life that I created myself, that I thought was the life, mm. it was not the life for me. I, uh, it was a life designed for me by someone else, by the expectation of someone else. Mm. So I quit and I thought, all right, it's about time that I figure out this thing called life. Like, who am I? What do I want? I had no idea. So I went to travel for a year. And as part of that, I did, you know, as you you said, I, I had some, I started to, get into the world of meditation. I had some, you know, amazing and freaky experiences. And yes, that also opened me to the spiritual path. Mm. Yeah, I'm not religious. I've never been. Um, But I do believe in something bigger than my own power, Mm. a higher power, universe, whatever. Yeah, I think it would be arrogant not to believe in a bigger power because, you know, the other, otherwise, we are saying placing the power in us, you know, somehow. There must be, there must be, I mean, you know, I don't know, the sun might decide to switch off tomorrow and we would just all die. So yes. that's our higher power. You know, you know what I mean? The universe or the. Yes. Yes. 
But are you like when you do this, when you go on on this journey, is it like uh, is it painful? Like when you, I don't know, when you need to self reflect and meditate and. So hang on now. You're you're talking about my my experience uh, of meditation. Yeah, I mean, you take the, you put this stop on your life because, yeah. as you said, you you know what you don't want, but you don't really know what you want. Mm-hmm. So you you go and look for it. Yeah. And 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 you you travel around the world. You mm-hmm. do meditation. You do psychedelics. Yeah, that was much later in my life. The psychedelics. This morning, just this morning before you arrived. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I I I take it very seriously. Yeah. To work with psychedelics, yes, yes. For me, it's a very spiritual experience. I would never take it as a recreational drug. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So that came much much later. But my my trip that triggered that whole. Well, no. Uh, in fact, I started to stu- study psychology, emotional intelligence. That that led me to discover parts of myself mm. and brought me to a crisis mm-hmm. when I realized, oh my uh-huh. God, you know. This uh-huh. life That's is the eye-opener. That was the eye-opener. And mm-hmm. then I quit and I went to travel. And that was another eye-opener. And I discovered a lot about myself, things that, you know, those things started to come to surface. Mm. Because now I can say that I used to be the perfect people pleaser. When I was doing it, I didn't didn't know Uh I was doing it. Yeah, Yeah, because I didn't have that Mm. self-consciousness. I'm sorry, self-awareness. So my journey was one of the most, if not probably the most amazing thing that I have done in my life. It was totally eye-opening. I have very much connected with the fun part of me, with the flowing part of me. I would wake up every single day of my journey and I would tell myself, oh my God, this is so amazing that if I die today... I'm good. I'm good because yeah. I lived. Uh, it's, it's a, I, I love that feeling. I have had that feeling for many years. That's amazing. It's a great... Right? Wow, that that is such an amazing feeling. Nowadays, I, uh, I mean, I'm super happy. I feel so fulfilled. Um, but I don't have it as strong as I... You know, like, if I... If I died today, I have lived. No, I, I don't want to die today. No, I'm not, <laughs> like, no, but you don't necessarily want to die. But I, I know, but, but if, I, if it would end, then at least you can look back those five seconds you have before somebody shoots you in the head. You know. <laughs> that I lived. Yeah. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah. These are amazing experiences. I would recommend everyone uh, to actually disconnect mm. from their typical uh, routine mm. and just do stuff like that. They don't need to take a year like I did. Mm. Not everyone has got the possibility, but to do some kind of disconnect and reconnect with your inner self. And in my in my case, apart from studying, which is really you know getting it through my logical and rational brain, I wanted to experience everything on my own skin mm. in my own body. Mm. And so meditation, oh my God, that was amazing. Mm. I did the the meditation in silence for a month. It was no the words. Most, no words. A month. Yes, for a month. Shit. Yes, shit. And I did it twice. I, I didn't know initially when you when you jump into the temp, uh, temple, they don't tell you how long you're gonna be in. Yeah, they only find out what is your situation, and they knew that I was a traveler. Yeah, mm. I arrived with a backpack, and so they didn't tell me how long I would be in the process. It's was just there a Wi-Fi? They, <laughs> bloody hell! 
<laughs> one mm, month. One month. But wait, so you don't know when you go? You don't know. They just decided for you or... or well, it, it depends on your personal situation. You know, honestly, if you have two weeks two weeks vacation, uh-huh. uh, you know, you, you arrive as a tourist, then they know that you have a time constraint. But I told them I have no time constraint because mm-hmm. I'm just traveling through Asia. And so how long is this going to be for? Well, we will tell you as you progress. And uh-huh. I would I would be asking, yeah, that would be, you, you asked whether it's no words. You can only talk the few minutes you have every single day with your master. Yeah. That's the only time you can use words. Yeah. So what do you do and then the rest of the day? You do literally nothing. I mean, nothing apart from meditation. It is crazy. Wow. It is the most crazy. It is the most scary. It is the most difficult thing that I have went through apart from the psychedelics, uh, but the most enriching. Oh, my God. You know, I have studied a lot about psychology, emotional intelligence, etc. But this was... I understood things logically, yeah. Mm-hmm. But until I went deep inside, I realized now that I didn't fully understand. Uh-huh. So what you do when you are uh, the first day, you go slowly. I started with vipassana meditation, which is um, mm-hmm. um, Buddhist type of mm-hmm. meditation, yeah. Uh, but you don't need to be a Buddhist in order to do that. Do you know vipassana? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yes. Okay. Unfortunately. Yeah, yes. I, I'm horrible. I, when when my <laughs> girlfriend turns on this meditation stuff, I just fall asleep in ten seconds. I see. I see. And she said, "Yeah, you're supposed to get inner peace." And I said, "Yeah, but that's my peace, sleeping." Right. You know. Yes, that's so funny. Anyway, so um, <laughs> they would take you through a series of. They would show you a series of exercises that you mm. have to do. Um, there is a sitting meditation involved, walking meditation, and there is something else that you have to do. And you do it in sets, okay? You start with a set, y- y- you do a set of five minutes each thing. So mm-hmm. five minutes sitting, five minutes walking meditation, five minutes something else that you have to do. Then you have a break for five minutes and you start again, then again. And again, mm. the next day you come to see your master. How are you doing? Blah, blah, what is your questions? 10 minutes. 10 minutes sitting, 10 minutes walking, 10 minutes, whatever. And you, you do it the whole day, well into the night. And then you wake up at four o'clock in the morning and off you go again. And they are increasing the amount of minutes. And you it went in there on your own free will. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I know, I'm a little bit crazy. But I heard I heard about it from someone who did it, and I trusted this person, and I thought, well, you know, mm. I will give it a go. So you progress, and listen to this, until you get to 60 minutes. Mm. Meaning, 60 minutes sitting, 60 minutes walking, and then something else that you have to do. I, 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 there is a specific word mm. for it, and I can't remember. Mm. You, you have maybe a five-minute break, or maybe you go for lunch. It's a very, very tiny lunch, very mindful lunch, and then you do it again. So not only... The 60 minutes is the longest you can do. Um, So not only you progress in terms of time, but you progress in terms of amount of hours that you meditate. Mm. Towards the end, you go on through the night. Mm. You know, I have a feeling that it is designed to bring you to insanity. 
because that's that that's what it does. Yeah. Because you start, there is so much happening inside. Mm. You know, all of the if you have any little traumas, all of the little issues that you have, uh, they start to come to surface, and you need to deal with it. Yeah, through the meditative process, it's crazy. And listen, if there is something such a past life, we don't know, right? Mm-hmm. I had incredible things happening during my meditative experience that made me think that I also have some bad karma. I did something absolutely terrible in my past lives because incredible things were happening every time. Like on the last week of my month, Mm. my teacher didn't know what to do with me Mm -hmm. because I would bleed, you know, from my mouth. I would get ink. I would get incredibly strong physical sensations and I was convinced that someone was going to kill me every time I would close my eyes and get deep into my meditation. Paranoia. Paranoia. Uh And so my teacher would sometimes sit throughout the night with me. He did like special rituals to get rid of the negative demons, Mm. whatever. I mean, who knows? Mm. There, There is something like that. But anyway, so it was an extremely hard process and when you're on your like last two days for me things started to change it was as if i overcame the demons Mm. and i started to connect with something Mm -hmm. that i don't know how to call it but it feels to me that i connected not only with my deep self but i connected to that powerful thing Mm. i had very powerful visualizations it was very somatic as well i felt it in my body it was absolutely crazy and i finished one my month Mm. and i felt like a different person Mm. and even physically and physiologically i felt different you get this beautiful skin, beautiful hair, beautiful, like your body rejuvenates, mm. your eyesight rejuvenates. And I will never forget. It was during the whole one month, you cannot do anything else than meditate. Meaning, mm. writing a journal, prohibital, mm. prohibited. Like communicating with the outside world, reading a book, you cannot do anything. You can brush your teeth, eat, and meditate. That's it okay that's why it's driving you to insanity because we are so used to connecting always to the outside world yeah yeah. we are non-stop doing something and after the meditation that was amazing because i took a book and i was reading the lines and it was as if you know sometimes when i don't know if that happens to you when i read sometimes my my mind is not entirely on the text and mm. I need to read it twice yeah, in order yeah, to understand. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I read this page and it was like... It came sp- into you. And I had clar- like instant clarity. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, it, it was huge. Mm. And since then, I mean, I was doing Vipassana for about three years, but Vipassana is a little bit impractical for normal life, for daily life, because of the sitting and walking. Mm. It's not something that you can do in a metro, right? Mm -hmm. So I changed to Vedic meditation. I have a magnificent Australian teacher, and I've been doing Vedic meditation for the past three years, and I love it. And you can do it anywhere, and Mm. 
It's, good. It's, a it's a mobile. Yeah. Meditation is one of the things that profoundly changed me. Mm. Profoundly. But how do you, I mean, like uh, we're kind of coming to the end of this, but I'm curious how, because now, uh, can you fix the microphone a little bit to, towards you, like this way, yeah. Um, so because we're talking about two very different worlds in one, in some sense, we're talking about a uh, corporate leadership, um, people that need to be rational and uh, of course that rationality needs to stand on a firm ground of, of self-awareness and, and self-consciousness, but how can you bring this spiritual part into it? I mean, do you, I don't know, do you bring that into assisting the person with self-recognition and then you kind of, th that's where the spiritual part ends or or is your whole thing spiritual somehow? Do you, do you get what I mean? No, my my program is not spiritual at all. Mm. Um, however, I always bring mind and body techniques as ways to help the person get in touch with themselves mm. and to find inner peace and mm -hmm. to be grounded, yeah, to feel grounded. In fact, I often... Uh, talk to to my group about meditation and <laughs> most of my group members they were in so encouraged that they started to meditate and they get it so even a person who is not religious or not spiritual and doesn't believe any of that stuff they um find huge benefits in meditating mm. because you know as a leader as a manager you're constantly you're constantly facing very difficult situations or you're dealing with very difficult people. Mm. It's very important that you take the decisions from a state of peace and calm. Mm. And this is something that meditation helps you do. If mm. you, For people doing meditation for a long time, generally their level of anxiety um, yeah, lowers. The base level is The base low, yeah. level, mm. yeah. And they are able to it makes them much more resilient mm. resilient yeah and much more centered focused so you can deal much better with a high pressured environment mm. without getting completely thrown out yeah because that, that is what happens v many many people in serious positions um they have to take tough decisions they have to take take a face tough shit at work mm. and they do it because, you know, they are so empowered in the workplace, but then they come back home and they are completely collapsed mm. because it takes too much of their energy. Mm. But when you, when you employ, when you get used to body and mind techniques, meditation, mindfulness, yoga, etc., it really helps you to develop a very powerful inner resource. Mm. It's amazing. Can we, I mean, I'm just kind of curious, could you take me like a, a short example of, um, let's say, a stereotypical story of some someone where you would come to. Let's say that I'm a woman and I, I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm struggling as a woman. Now. You're struggling with what? <laughs> no, <laughs> so me. let's say that I'm a, I'm a leader in a company or, you know, <laughs> I'm a female leader in a company. And then just 
give me kind of a, an understanding of how, so what happens? What's your kind of process without too much detail, but just kind of roughly so that people kind of can, the listeners can understand, okay, so yeah, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. Good. So um, first, every single participant of my program, they uh, reflect on what they want to work on. What are their goals in their professional or personal life? Um, and what are the obstacles they feel or the issues that they're facing that um, make it difficult to reach those goals, right? Mm. So we set certain goals for ourselves at the beginning of the program. Each person has got different goals. I have ladies who, listen, Alena, you know, when I have to speak in front of a group, my voice shakes and I'm mm-hmm. all kind of, you know, shaky. And so my message is not strong enough. Mm-hmm. So some people really want to work on their public speaking ability. Some people, many, in fact, vast majority, they want to work on their influence. That stuff that I was uh, I was talking about previously, mm. like uh, I... I don't feel they're taking me seriously enough. I don't have the influence that I would like to have on the boss or on my team members. So a lot of people, they want influence. Mm. yeah, and, uh, and a lot of people want that healthy self-confidence because we women, we are master self-doubters. Mm. We suffer a lot from the imposter syndrome, you know, much more than guys. Mm. Guys, of course, do as well, but we have it much more. Mm. So these would be typical objectives. Anyway, so we would start with that. And through the program, I basically uh, guide the people like through a journey and the mm. journey starts with themselves. Mm-hmm. So regardless of the goal and objective, mm-hmm. we look at the, so, you know, what's your personality? Uh, what are your traits? We do a lot of analysis. Um, you know, wh- where are your innate talents? How well are you using them? What are the strengths? Mm. And then, as I, as I told you, we, explain, we explore the dark side of the personality. Mm. Uh, it's called the, the shadow, yeah? Um, and so uh, we are starting helping the woman gain self-awareness, which is a foundation of self-confidence. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of self-awareness. We trigger a lot of processes that go on for months. And then um, we start helping them develop the leadership skills I was I was telling you about, you know, depending on where their focus is, but also other skills which are typically needed for a... For a that position. For or that yeah. position, yeah. yeah. Sometimes they don't have them defined as a goal, but they typically relate to their work environment. Yeah. Mm. So in parallel to that process, we start helping them develop these kind of skills. Um, then there is a module of uh, the, the human being, like... You know, so um, what do you want in life? Uh, what is important? What do you stand for? What are your values? Um, where are what's next for you? Um, so we define the different aspects of this person's life. Where is the current focus, and what is it they would imagine for themselves? We mm-hmm. do a lot of purpose work, mission, purpose, vision for life, not only so for you, work. So you basically kind of decompose everything and you really go down to the basic level of of yes. who the person is 
and then okay what are the aspirations what's stopping you what do you need to improve and so i guess it's kind of like it's not a one size fits all program in a way you know you you work very individually with each person yes there are certain things that we do in groups mm. Uh, there are other things that they do themselves. Mm -hmm. They have a video course that they go through and they have a lot of assignments. They are obviously very individual. And they, then they do have private coaching with me when, mm -hmm. when we really dive into their private stuff that they might not want to mention in as public, part in of a bigger a, group, yeah. Yeah. Usually, the, the I mean, the group, the, the ladies, they know each other, uh, they trust each other, and so people open up on mm. all sorts of issues, and it's mm. wonderful to see. Uh, but yeah, there are some issues that they, they, they do only with me. Mm. Yeah. And then, depending on the, you know, individual's needs, objectives, and what I see mm. needs to be pointed out. Uh, reinforced or diminished or whatever, um, then we work on that. It's interesting what you're saying that that you get them to share um, in the group. You know, like because I I remember when I I, I um, when I moved to Denmark, I, I got this big job in Denmark, running an airline there when I was I don't know 31 or or something, 32. And I remember when I was going there the first time, the first day that I was going to the office, I I somehow had this idea because in my Iceland is 350,000 people, Denmark is five, six million people. And I thought, okay, yeah, wow. They must be so perfect there. They must be so much better than we are. You know, like it's impossible that I can do anything here and blah, blah, blah. I mean, eventually the company went bankrupt, so it was obviously that I couldn't do anything. But, <laughs> but, but anyway, you know, it, and then, you know, I met the people and, you know, like they were just humans, you know, like they were, they had their problems like me, you know, like they, or they had family issues or they had the issues with their wives and husbands or whatever, you know. And when, once you kind of got to know those things about them, then you realized, wow, okay, there is no such thing as perfect. There is no one who walks this earth that or has a position or a job or a role or a title or, or whatever people do in life that has no issues. It just doesn't exist. And for me, like, um, this is, a, like, this is really powerful to know this because it means that my imperfections are never going to kill me. They're never going to make me incapable of doing what I want to do. And knowing that others have them as well makes it like, yeah, okay, well, we're all, you know, 10 toes, 10 fingers, you know, two ears, whatever, <laughs> you know? Yes, this is so important what you're saying. We need to feel that it's not only us mm. experiencing yeah. some shit. You know, people I work with, I work from junior, mid to top managers, sometimes they literally have no people around them whom they can share mm. issues with. Because you're not going to be talking about your shit to your team member, no. will you? So um, that's why it's so important and the, the people find it so valuable to be part of the community. Uh, they express their issue they hear other people expressing their issues and they're like, oh my God, I'm mm. not alone. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing wrong with me mm. because I can see this one having the same, this one, yeah. Mm. And also I, I very much um, kind of promote the idea that none of us is perfect. Mm. 
and you should not even strive for perfection because mm. that will only frustrate you. Yeah, because you can so never reach it. Yeah, we celebrate our imperfections. There is a certain level of beauty of in your imperfection, and when you learn that you don't need to hide mm. your imperfection, oh my God, what a liberation! Mm. You know, I I help people do something that I have done myself, like peel layers mm. of their personality. You know, these the shields that mm. we have. The onion. Because the onion, yeah. Mm. To reveal the core. Oh mm. my God, there is freedom in that. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. It is. But it's interesting. Actually, you said one thing now that I'm, I often thought about when it comes to businesses and, and management. And, and because you said, you know, you don't want to share with your team your I don't know, your inner fears or your imperfections or the issues that you're dealing with. And I mean, I I agree, but I also often think about it. Why not? Why? Do you know what I mean? Like, in, and now I'm just talking in general, kind of in corporate and company culture, you know, like, wouldn't it actually often be better if we were just really true, like, in in everything and i mean i know it would be uncomfortable like i know that would be i don't know like you don't want to have a colleague that or your boss that oh i have such a bad diarrhea today you know like <laughs> it's not like you know it's not something that you but I, and i don't think we will yeah. ever get there you know like yes. i see i see what you mean look when i say that sometimes you've got issues that you don't want to talk mm. with uh, your team members, they might be strategic issues. Mm. You know, there's yeah, downsizing yeah. Yeah, going yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, what yeah. what are you going to do? There's a vision. Or, you, know. you know, there are certain sensitive issues that you don't want to share with your team members, mm. okay? Mm, that's true. But on what you said, it's all about having the willingness to be vulnerable. Mm. It's okay if you come to the office, you go to a meeting, something happened to you, I don't know, maybe your mother is in a hospital. Mm. It's okay to say, guys, today I'm afraid you're not going to get the best out of me mm -hmm. because I feel so low. My mom is in the hospital. Mm -hmm. It's that that creates a lot of connection with your yeah, team members. Exactly. They see you as a human, human being. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the same you can say about your own faults. Like, you know, if you see a, a team member absolutely shining in something that you are really shit in, mm. you can actually say, you can comment on that and mm. you can say, oh, my God, this mm. is something that I don't, you know, I can't do. And again, they see you. Wow. She's not trying to play the perfect yeah, yeah, yeah. individual, but she's just uh, allowing human. others to shine yeah. along. Uh, Plus, yeah, mm. plus that, being vulnerable and allowing others to shine. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, this is really interesting, Alan. I mean, we, we've talked now for two hours. I think I could talk with you. I, I, need, I think I need, just need to bring you on again and we can talk more about the dark side and the psychedelics and all that stuff. I, 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 I feel we have more stuff there as well, you know? <laughs> and uh, so what, what, what's, um, just where can people check up on you more? You have... Alenahuperova.com, right? Yeah, that's my website. Because you do, you're working internationally. I mean, you yes, yes. You do. My group is international, yeah. yeah. I do everything in English. Um, so, alenahuperova.com. I'll put the um, link in, in the episode description as well. Yeah, fabulous. So, that's that's where the, uh, the core of the information is. I do have social media, but... Uh, 
not great. I do have Instagram. Yeah, I have a, a good LinkedIn. LinkedIn yeah. I use as my main uh, kind of communication platform. So LinkedIn is a good way to find me just by my name. Um, I do have Instagram and Facebook. Well, you know, are mm. not great, but I do the job. Yeah. Okay, I I will put those links in the in the episode description. You're not on TikTok. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen. If I should be on all the platforms, you wouldn't do wouldn't, anything else. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do my job. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely need some some A social help. Media, man media manager. <laughs> yes. Yes. We need to give Alena some help, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for watching, listening. Um, think, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this episode's gonna be on video as well, but uh, at least we are recording it on video. We need to, you know, kind of wave to people there and, and just say thank you. And uh, at least it's definitely an audio. So if you're listening to this, then you are listening, right? Um, thanks. Great to have you. Have a great day. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you.